Hello and welcome to the Russell Parkey Show by myself, Simon Packard. This podcast is based on the famous Michael Parkinson and Russell Harty chat shows of the 1970s and 1980s. Michael was from Barnsley and he talked with a Yorkshire accent. He was originally a journalist in Manchester and then he joined Granada and then he had his own chat show on the BBC. Um, Russell Harty was uh, more of a Lancastrian bloke. He taught in um, Giggleswick or something, called prep school, taught little private school boys. And, um, and anyway, this podcast, stay tuned for local guests on the show like Cosmos Charles, Peter Tomlinson, Dennis Costello, and many more Southeast London legends, having humorous chats with the host, myself, Simon Packard. Hello, this is Simon Packard, and we are doing the uh, podcast. The podcast is called The Russell Parkey Show, and we've got one guest, a special guest today, Mr. Chris Briggs from West Sussex, uh, Berry, and we are speaking from his house. Anyway, <laughs> hello, Chris, and welcome. Oh, Simon, it's a real pleasure to be here. It really is. I can't, <laughs> I can't tell you how how often I've listened to your podcast and thought I would just love to be on, on, on your uh, podcast. Yes, I'm here. I'm here. I've had my AstraZeneca jab today. Trouble yeah. is I'm feeling a little bit under the weather. So um, forgive me if I can't yeah. keep up with the humour that... Can I? Yeah, well, we're not we're not here for laughs, Chris. We're just here for that conversation. Um, but what Chris has referred to is he today has had his second AstraZeneca jab. Mm. So I mean, when Maria and I had ours, we we only had our first jab, but both of them. I felt that night. I felt like um, frozen. I found uh, not dizzy, but. I kind of shivering a bit, and Maria didn't feel well. But so we, we've told Chris, well, you shouldn't be well. But he's, um, you know, he won't see seventy again. But he he's looking fine. He's looking absolutely fabulous. I'm bouncing back. That's he, the truth. He's bouncing back. I mean, we've had some, you know, listening to Radio Four this morning. Um, there's some very bad news from Brazil. They don't seem to be handling this uh, at all well. The virus, the pandemic. I mean, they had today apparently three and a half thousand people died, and uh, you know that's very serious. So let's hope they get a grip on it because it, it'll affect the whole world, really. But um, and there's uh, President Bolsonaro. He doesn't come out of it very well. He the trouble with him is he, Chris Johnny, he thinks he's Donald Trump, doesn't he? Well, I think he he models his life on Donald Trump. He thinks distancing is a bad thing. And um, we all know from the, from the facts and the results um, that uh, um, you can bullshit like Boris, but the truth is you can't defeat the science. You can't yeah. deny yeah. the science. It's the science, is it, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> right. Anyway... And I think, um, you know, I'm, I sit on the fence politically, but um, I do think Keir Starmer... Painful, painful. 
painful. Yeah, I think Keir Starmer should um, back up Boris a bit more. It should be like a government of national unity because this is a big crisis. This is like a world war. And in World War One and World War II, we had a, a, a united front. And um, I think that's what we should do with, with, with Boris. And I think Keir should stop nitpicking so much and be more supportive. Uh, okay. And he can still argue and, and amend things. But, you know, really, I think he's should stop moaning, moaning a bit. Um, you boring now, Simon. Yeah, am, I, am I getting boring? I'm yeah, always... I'm so. This I'm, is normally the sort of mirth. As I would expect. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not here. I'm not here to get laughs, Chris. I'm here to have a serious discussion with you. Oh right. Okay. Now, um, we've been a bit of a shout out for our other people who are listening. Now there is uh, in over in Holland, there's Shirley and Jan. Yes. They're in Holland and they're listening to our podcast. Yes. This is number four. This is podcast number four, and uh, I hope everyone gets a bit better than the one before. And um, we've. Um, we haven't had many people sort of tuning in, but um, hopefully we keep plodding on. It's going to become more popular because, um, you know, I think it's interesting. So what, what it's about, Chris, is do you remember the 70s and 80s? Do I remember the 70s? Well, no, actually, I've forgotten most of them. But <laughs> I think they say if you remember them, you weren't there. Yeah, that's it. That's... Actually, I do remember. That's the old joke, isn't it? Yes, it is. Anyway, um, if you remember, the reason why we called the Russell Harty, oh, Russell Parkey podcast is because we amalgamate the Russell Harty show, which was on ITV, and the Michael Parkinson show, which I think was on BBC. And they were the big shows because in those days, I mean, a young kid today, turns on the TV, and they have like 40, 80 channels. Well, in, back in the day, the uh, broadcasting, there was only two or three channels. You used to get ITV, BBC, <laughs> wake up, wake up, boy. And and then um, then you got BBC Two, and then I think... Did they I had the girl with the balloons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm talking about real balloons, not... <laughs> not, not uh, A girl... Uh, her stature. Just, just remind us about the girl with balloons. It was the, um, it was the sort of card to show you that. It, oh it was yes. In color. Yes. Yeah. Well. And there she was with her big balloon. <laughs> <laughs> well, what Chris is talking about is originally in TV, in the sixties. Of course, TV television was in black and white only. Absolutely. And then color came in, didn't it, Chris? Now, when did it come in? When was colour? When did well, you get colour? I think I remember coming back from Australia in 1970. Yeah. And somebody yeah. said, I saw Doctor Who in colour the other day, and the, the titles and the, 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 the music and the, and, the, and the scream, you know, that sort of psychedelic scream they used to have. Oh, yeah. It was fantastic in colour. Yeah. So, and then, and then, they got snooker. Yeah, because yeah. Snooker, you see. Well, snooker. Black and white. So how could you tell which ball was which? So what snooker? I mean, it became. It was in colour, was it? The snooker. That was what made it so popular. Yeah, yeah. So snooker was very popular, wasn't it? 
in the in the early seventies. Because for the broadcaster, it was ideal because all you had to do was set up a camera on the table, and um, that's all you had to do really, and you got hours and hours of entertainment. And a man with white gloves. Yeah, yeah, who was a referee, who wasn't he? Yes. Who, yeah. Who used to get the balls out of his pockets. And who were the famous Stuka players in those days? I didn't know. Ray, Ray Reardon. Ray Reardon was a, was a very popular chap. I think he'd been, I, I think he'd been a minor. I think he'd gone down, down pit. And, you know, he was, um, it was a lovely guy, very popular, Ray Reardon. And then, of course, um, Hurricane Higgins. Yeah, well, exactly, Chris. Hurricane Higgins was a massive star. What he was, he was originally, I think he was, was hang on. He, I don't, he was from, he was from the Republic of Ireland, Hurricane Higgins. I've got a story about Hurricane, which is absolutely boring, but I'm going to tell you anyway. This chap I worked with, and I knew him as I saw socially, he'd been, as a, as a young man, he'd been a barman in a, uh, a place in Ireland, Southern Ireland, or, or the Republic of Ireland, and he'd been told, he was told by his bosses, they said to him, look, if you, if there's anybody who you don't think is old enough, don't serve them. Anyway, so he did it. I forgot his name, but he did his job properly. Anyway, this young man came to the bar to order a drink. And he said, how old are you? And, the, and, and, and it was Hurricane Higgins. But my friend didn't notice because he, like you, Chris, he didn't give a monkeys about uh, snooker. No. So he didn't recognize Hurricane. And Hurricane Higgins said, well, I, I'm Hurricane Higgins. And the bloke said, well, I don't care who you are. Um, he didn't, yeah, I suppose he had an Irish accent, didn't he? But I can't be bothered to do that right yeah, now. So yeah. Anyway, he, um, he wouldn't serve Hurricane. And Hurricane got in a right old state about it all. But my friend stuck to his guns and wouldn't serve him. But it was quite... Um, you know, embarrassing, embarrassing. Yes, for my friend. For the whole, whole yeah, so yeah, one of the yeah, about yeah. The 70s yes, was Pete and Dud, and they used to oh. have very good conversations. Oh right, yeah. And Pete, one day they were in the pub and they were talking. Yes. About their love life. Oh right. And Pete said, yeah, that he get when he goes to bed, yeah. he gets a knocking on the window. Oh right, and yeah. He says. And the window goes, and the person goes, knock, knock, knock. And do you know who it is? Greta Garbo. Bloody Greta Garbo. <laughs> yes. And he says, go away, Greta. We've had our fun, but it's all over now. Oh. And then Pete, I mean, Dad says, well, Pete, you know, I, uh, and he's eating his sandwiches, trying not to laugh. <laughs> he says, I was in, in bed the other night and, it was a knock, 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 knock. On the window. And do you know who it was? No. It was bloody um, Sophia Laron, Lorraine Laron, he said. And, and, he, and I said to her, Sophia, you can't keep coming to see me at night like this. I'm, uh, we, we, we passed it now, and I'm a, I'm rather bored with you. Oh, right. So, I mean, what, what you're talking about, Chris, is the Pete and Dud sketches. Yes. 
So that we're talking about Peter Cook and Dudley and Moore. Dudley Moore. Ah, I can tell yeah. you a story about Dudley Moore. Yeah, go on. Tell us the story, well, Chris. there was a time yeah. when we hadn't been living in Sussex for long. Yeah. And we'd started a trout farm. And we had all sorts of people come in to buy trout. Oh, right. And believe it or not, yeah. Dudley Moore came in with his girlfriend. Oh, he did. And he ordered a couple of trout. Oh, right. And my wife, well... She she gave him a trout. <laughs> she was she she was all of a fluster. She was she was starstruck, was she? She was not just starstruck, manstruck. I mean, Peter uh, Dudley Moore is is girl bait. Well, he was he was a very charming man, wasn't yeah, he? Anyhow, very popular. Yeah. Let me just finish the story. Yeah, yeah. He drove off and he left his watch behind. His so, watch? Yes. So what did he start taking his clothes off for? No, 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 just his watch, because the, uh, I don't know why. Oh, know. something to do with getting a trout out, perhaps. Yes, yes, yes. He got his trout out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And um, uh, anyhow, so he, he had to come back again. So he came back and said, Where's, I want my watch. I, I, want want my I left, watch. My, left my watch. My wife to this day, well, not to this day, but always said she thought he left it behind as an excuse so that he should come back and have another look at her because she was so beautiful. Now, I can tell you another story about Yeah, trout. yeah, okay. One is my okay. last story before I... Yes, get, yes. Uh, my, um, I remember the trout farm, Chris. It you was, do? Yeah. It was, well, good. one day this man came along and he said, I carry your selling trucks. I said, yeah. So he said, um, could we buy a couple? So I said, of course. And I gave him a couple of trout. Next day he came back he said, I want a hundred. No. So I said, well, yes, of course. So I went zooming off to the trout farm that we bought from, bought a hundred trout. And I, he, I said, where do you want it? He said, the chalk pits. And do you know what was going on in the chalk pits? They were filming um, uh, Roger Moore. Yeah. In a James Bond film. A James Bond film? Yes, no, no less. So they wanted a hundred trout. For the for the crew. For the crew. Yes. What were they what they what for filming or for eating or what for what? eating, because they have a little oh. they have a mobile. Oh right. Yeah. I think this is uh, anyhow, just to finish the story of Britain, Well that's I went to watch. Yeah. yeah. I saw Grace Jones get blown to pieces. And I saw um, and, um, and my two elder sons were with me. We went and shook hands with Roger Moore. We got his autograph, oh, and he yeah. said to the boys, "Go to the go to the canteen and ask for whatever you like." And they both came away with not a bar of Kit Kat, but a whole box of Kit Kats. Really? Yes. Oh wow! So that was really generous of him, I thought. Yeah, Roger Moore, terrific guy, wasn't he? He now Roger Moore. If, I could, if you don't mind me talking, Chris, oh, Roger Moore. Well, years ago, when I was a young man, and, I, and although I'm I'm nearly sixty six now, years of age, I was I was young once, and I was living in Edward Road, which is in Bromley, and there was this, and from it was quite a tall building. I'm, I'm awfully sorry, sir. Yeah. Dog needs to go out. To have okay, a well you carry on. I'll I'll keep talking. I'll keep talking. Keep talking. I'll we don't we don't need you for this podcast. Anyway. I was in Edward Road and in a sort of, uh, I think it was at least three-storey building in Edward Road, Bromley. 
And across the way was this house, quite a big house, nice house, where Dorothy Squires had lived. Or I don't think she I don't think she lived there at the time. But Dorothy Squires lived there, and her husband was Roger Moore. She was married to Roger Moore. Now, Dorothy Squires, for those of you who are um, over 80, will remember Dorothy Squires was a really good and famous singer. Dorothy That's Squires, right. yeah. She was big in the day. Anyway, and she kind of, and Roger was a, was, was a bit younger than her. And she was very much his kind of, I think the word is Svengali, S-V-E-N-G-A-L-I. She helped him with his career. And I think you can still see um, Roger, Roger used to model sort of clothes, shirts and jumpers and things like that. So she got in that work. That was at the time she, she got in that work. And um, that was that was Roger Moore, and of course he then then went on to become a very very famous actor. So he was on TV series. He was in TV series, I think on ITV, wasn't it? Wasn't it Ivanhoe? Yeah. He started in Ivanhoe, which was a kind of uh, medieval type of uh, ser TV series, and then he became very as exactly in. Are we talking about sixties? Are we? And I think we're talking about black and white, aren't we? Absolutely. So he was the saint who was a kind of fictional private detective, very popular. And, of course, his um, signature, signature was to, he sort of glanced up and this halo was above his head, wasn't it, in the saint? The music went. Da, 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 da. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I wish, I wish, wish we could sing. Anyway, that so so then so Ivanhoe and then the Saint and it was big. That was as as we say, there weren't many channels on TV, so you either watched ITV or BBC. So you either watched Roger or you didn't. And um, you watched Roger more, or yeah. Roger less. Yeah, yeah, more or less. Anyway, and of course the, the pinnacle of his career was when he was chosen to play. Chris, I'm sort of feeding you into James. You're supposed to say James Bond. Oh, yeah, but that was the, yeah. That was the pinnacle of his career, wasn't it? Playing James Bond. The pinnacle. Yeah. Yes, I would say it was. And oh, that, no, he did play another game, another part with um, an American actor. Oh, yeah. Hang on, Chris. I know what you're talking about. The one the, who said, I'm Spartacus. <laughs> close. You're talking about the persuaders. Yeah, ah, that's it. Which he starred in with Tony Curtis. Tony Curtis, it was who said he was Spartacus. I think he may have been in that scene, Chris. I'm not. I don't. Was it, was. It, was, was it him? Because he was the first one. Because then they had to fight to the death, and Spartacus killed him. Oh right, okay. But that was a merciful act. Okay. Because. Um, the people who weren't killed were crucified. Oh, right. All right. Spartacus. Well, Spartacus, now I can talk with some authority. Sorry about this chocolate I'm eating. Because I performed in an after-school club 
in Greenwich in a primary school, me and my friend Cosmos Child, we did a performance of Spartacus. What, you were Spartacus? Um, no, no, no. We picked one of the pupils to be Spartacus. And did he wear a nappy like Spartacus? Didn't you notice Spartacus used to wear a nappy? No, we didn't. We didn't actually get to the stage of doing actual costumes. But I'm sure, sure we would have picked a nappy. But we got the kids, and the kids loved it. We explained to them. We got one kid to go, I'm Spartacus. And then we got... Three other kids to join in with. I'm Spartacus. I'm Spartacus. And then we got everybody, you know, about fifteen kids to go. I'm Spartacus. I'm Spartacus. And they said they shouted this and they raised their kind of hand, and which is what happens in the film. And the kids loved it. <coughs> they couldn't get off it. Well, you know, I got a great um, <coughs> email. About I'm Spartacus. <coughs> and yeah. they started off with that standing up there saying, I'm Spartacus, I'm Spartacus. Another one said, Stanley fool. <laughs> Shut up. Stop it. <laughs> uh, you're not Spartacus. He's Spartacus. He's Spartacus. <laughs> and the, the whole thing was lost. At that note, I'm sorry, Simon, I have to go. My agent says I've spent enough time. Okay, okay. Well, you, you know, we can't argue with your agent. Could you send Maria in, please? Because, um, yeah, of course she does. She does, really. Because we, we want to keep talking for half an hour. No, no, we, we need half an hour. Anyway, um, we've been going for 21 minutes now. So we just have to do another nine minutes, and this podcast is finished. We'll get our engineering department which is my son Charles, to uh, send it all out. And um, I'm sure everybody will find it very entertaining. But it's supposed to be just a conversation. And we've enjoyed it. And uh, I hope you have as well. But we, yeah, just, just sort of talking about that Spartacus. We had some parents afterwards. I think it was the primary school was the James Wolfe School, which is a primary school in Greenwich. Uh, that's South East London. And I think they have a specialist unit of children which who are hard of hearing. Well, they're deaf. And um, we didn't, I can't give you any actual, um, we didn't actually um, sort of um, teach them s specifically, but I think we did have a few children that um, that had had hearing problems. And um, and were there for that, but got, we used to do drama and sport and stuff and cricket and football and stuff like that. After school clubs, it was part of our um, Lewisham Community Sports uh, kind of empire, who were kind of disbanded now. But uh, we were very popular, and we used to do things, um, lots of stuff in in Lewisham Borough, and uh, I mean. I suppose it was all. I was the uh, founder, really, and the uh, one, the main um, person in the organisation. But we, you know, we didn't want to start an empire. I didn't want to make it 
very successful and hand it over. I just did it because it was the right thing to do. I felt it was a good thing to do. And um, as it happens, we had uh, our after school clubs and our holiday schemes were, were massive. In the borough of Lewisham, they were massive, very, very big, very good. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't need to start a dynasty. Un unlike, um, well, I wasn't anything like him, of course, but unlike Adolf Hitler, I didn't want to last for a thousand years or anything, anything that rubbish. I just wanted to sort of do it at the time because I wanted to do it, and then I wanted to get out. Now, um, I was an executive member of the Voluntary Action Lewisham Val um, at the time, and um, we had I did see many organisations that had been sprung up and existed, and often it was because of a parent, for instance, who had a child that was ill or who possibly passed away, and they set up a charity. So it's charitable. And um, the thing is that these organisations, they can be very, very good for a few years, and then the person that started them and run them runs out of steam, really. And unfortunately, it just kind of winds down slowly. But really, they should say, well, enough is enough, and I've disbanded and I've moved on with my life. But, of course, they don't. So the, the, the trouble is you get loads and loads of different organisations that, you know, they get some funding, they do a great job, but they kind of run out of steam. And, and there's nobody who sort of puts them, puts them out of existence, really. Somebody should say, somebody should tap them on the shoulder and say, thank you for what you've done, but that's finished now. But that doesn't happen. So there's so many groups and organisations that plod on year in, year out, and they become decreasingly important. And, you know, they just keep going. And really, it needs clearing out. And everybody needs thanking. And and they need to finish their um, charitable work and um, move on with their lives and stuff like that. But it doesn't happen. And unfortunately, it means... The whole that whole charitable area is just clogged up with loads and loads of organisations, and really, you know, most of them they, they they'll apply for grants and they won't get anything, and then they'll get cynical and fed up and complaining and stuff like that. Well, it's it's difficult. It's very very difficult. Anyway, we've we've nearly done twenty six minutes, so um, we've got four more minutes to go, and I am going to keep waffling on. I want my wife, Maria, to come and join me. Maria! Uh, I think she might come in a minute. But um, it's great. And we've been down, anyway, we've been down in um, West Sussex. It's in Bury, actually. It's just off the A29. And Maria, come, 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 come sit down, please. I've got three more minutes to go. Just come and sit down. Hello. We're we're uh, I'm just saying we're in Bury off the yes, A29, yes, yes, right. and this is Maria Maria McDonald's has just joined us. What, uh, what are you doing? Anyway, uh, Maria's my wife, and um, what do you think of me, Maria? Of what? You, well, well, I don't know. You gave me a bit of a telling off this morning, didn't you? You said, "Why can't you be like your dad or like my dad?" You, you, 
ranting and raving. It's not right. Sort yourself out. We've only got three minutes to go, by the way. Okay. Um, anyway, lovely day. Well, haven't we, what, it's tell, a lovely day. We've yeah, had a lovely Chris, day, haven't yeah. we? Because Chris, we're in this house, and we've got and Chris in, within a week has to move out of this house yes. because yes. he sold it. Mm. He's he signed a legal agreement and he's moving, and he's booked some removal men to look the furniture, and uh, because they've got some heavy bits of furniture, haven't they? Some of which is going to his son Andrew, and some of which is going to his son Nick, and other stuff is going to go in front of his house that he's moving to, and is either going to be given away or possibly sold for a, for a meagre amount, um, because he's having a big boot sale. And we're helping him move a few bits up there. Yeah, yeah, and we. I reckon it's not far. It's only what's fifty yards. Fifty yards. Yeah. And he's spending many, many hundreds of pounds on removal men. But uh, <laughs> I suppose he needs them because, you know, God bless him, he's not here now, but um, he's he's the wrong side of 70. So you, you can't expect him to do okay, loads of... Okay, I'll go back of... to watch TV then. Okay. What, what, what do you watch on TV, Maria? The Repair Shop. The Repair Shop? Oh, oh it, this table, table. is that Jay Blaze? Oh, he's fantastic, James. Yeah, bye, bye. Well, that's some rare going anyway. So I'll waffle on for a bit. I'll just give a shout out to well, we've already our Dutch uh, correspondents. That's Shirley and Jan. They're in Holland, so shout out for them. We've also got um, we've got Richard Fraze. He's in sort of Godalming or somewhere like that in Surrey. He's uh, he went to school with me, and he's a very gifted artist actually. But he's well, I think he's a trained lawyer, and he still works. He's a, he's a bit of a workaholic. He works hard, and he has a daughter who works in a care home, and and they both were old Reptonians anyway. And also we up in um, Yorkshire, we got Neville Holdsworth, Yorkshire Nev, as we call him. He um, he turned up at Repton School with me, and at that time he'd gone. He was a, a pupil at Tadcaster Grammar School, Tadcaster Grammar. Anyway, he taught, turned up, and, and he was very. He spoke with a Yorkshire accent, which nothing wrong with being from Yorkshire, and um, that's Nev Nev. And also we have down in. I think he lives in Weymouth or somewhere. Max Salisbury, a big shout out to him. Now he 